You're listening to audio from St. Luke Church in Lexington, Kentucky. If you'd like to learn more or donate to this ministry, please check out our website at stlukelex.com. And now I'd like to um, share a great privilege. Our pastor today, our uh, preacher today is Reverend Terry Ferris, and many of you know him. Terry has worshipped with us for quite a while. He's a retired pastor and is an incredible person. He has joy. He exudes love and the love of Christ. I don't think you've ever met a stranger either. He gets to know people everywhere he goes, and he is a really good preacher as well. So we're looking forward to hearing from Terry. She forgot to add that I'm old. And I can't dance like Brian. You know, Brian does that little jig after, after the uh, video. <laughs> I could be Brian's father. I'd be proud to be Pastor Brian's father. And I've got to hold on to this desk this morning. With an artificial shoulder, an artificial hip, artificial knee, I don't trust myself to walk around up here. <laughs> so thank you for being here today. You know, it's still Christmas. When I was a boy, I thought the 12 days of Christmas were the 12 days before Christmas, but it's not. Christmas tide is Christmas Day, December 25th, till Epiphany, January 6th. As a matter of fact, the Eastern Orthodox Church, they celebrate Christmas on January 6th, and the kids in Holland and Italy get their gifts on January 6th. It's providential this morning that I'm preaching on forgiveness I prepared this message about two months ago, and Brian's preaching on forgiveness the whole month of January, so this is a prelude to Pastor Brian. He'll follow up what I miss. When I was a pastor, I told the same story every, every Advent. So there's new people here today who haven't heard this story. A fourth grade Sunday school class was asked to do the Christmas story play, to write it, direct it, and and prepare all the props and tell the story. So they built a great big inn out of cardboard and they had the uh, innkeeper on a big step ladder looking out the window. Here comes Joseph with a towel around his head and a bathrobe and Mary with a pillow riding a sawhorse. And, and Joseph looks up at the innkeeper and says, Mr. Innkeeper, we need a room for the night. Innkeeper says, can't you read? No vacancy. And uh, Joseph said, my wife, she's pregnant. Innkeeper says, that's not my fault. And Joseph says, that's not my fault either. <clears throat> you know, while we're here today, it's God's fault. If it weren't for God sending Christ into the world, I would never know you. You wouldn't know me. We wouldn't know each other. There'd be no St. Luke Church. But because the King of Kings has come into the world, there's a church, and there's the kingdom of God today. I'm preaching on forgive us our sins. A great study in the Bible is due comparison study. Take the four Gospels and compare them to one another. The only trouble is the Lord's Prayer is not in Mark. It's not in John. It's only in Matthew chapter 6 and Luke chapter 11. Now Matthew gives us the traditional, forgive us of our trespasses 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. But Luke says, forgive us of our sins. I think that's a much better translation. It's in the Christmas story. Mary shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, because he will save his people from their trespasses, no, their sins. Come thou long-expected Jesus, born to set thy people free from our fears and sins. Release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Forgive us of our trespasses. What does it mean to trespass? Fishermen are good at that. No trespassing. What does that literally mean when you read inside? No trespassing. Somebody tell me. Pardon? Yeah, don't come in here. Don't go there. So when we sin, God says don't go there and we trespass. We go where we're not supposed to be. I love the sign in front of the nunnery. The nunnery was behind a barbed wire fence and it said no trespassing. Violators will be severely prosecuted. Sign, Sisters of Mercy. So what is it? Trespassing or sins? How many of you trespassed this week? You, you went onto somebody's property and you weren't supposed to be there. Any trespassers here this morning? Any sinners here this morning? You know, the Presbyterians don't help us a whole lot. They say, forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us of our sins. My mind goes back to my boyhood days when just like St. Augustine, he stole pears. He tells this in his confessions that when he was a boy, B.C., before Christ, they had a pear tree in their yard which had great pears, but the neighbor had a pear tree. And he said stealing the neighbor's pears were sweeter. When I was about 10 years old, <clears throat> in Maysville, Kentucky, <clears throat> there was an old German gentleman named Mr. Eppensteiner. We called him Eppy. He had an orchard right across the alley between the street he lived on and the street I lived on. It was June. There were big, bright red cherries on the tree. So I climbed over his barbed wire fence and climbed up in the tree and was picking cherries, stealing cherries. Well, there came Mr. Eppensteiner. He wore those old-fashioned uh, wire-rimmed glasses that looked like the bottom of Coke bottles. They were thick. He could hardly see. And he had his uh, BB gun shooting blackbirds out of his trees. And there I was, about a 110-pound little boy, not a little boy, a big boy, clinging to that cherry tree. I thought, I better get out of here. So I started to climb down, and I fell out of the tree right in front of Mr. Eppensteiner. He threw up his BB gun, I threw up my hands, and I surrendered. And I said, Mr. Eppensteiner, please don't shoot me. Please don't shoot me. He just laughed in that, in that beautiful German voice and said, son, anytime you want fruit, just come over here and help yourself. Mr. Eppensteiner. That's the last time I trespassed. 
little word study. The verb to, to forgive in the New Testament Greek is afiimi, afiimi. It comes from the preposition apo, away from, and imi, to sin. <clears throat> to be forgiven literally means to be separated from your sins. It's the idea of the scapegoat in the Old Testament. The priest would pronounce the sins over the goat. The goat would go out into the wilderness and die and take the sins of the people away from him. The psalmist says, as far as the east is from the west, that's how far God has separated our sins from us. So forgiveness means our sins are taken away. They're taken away. They're gone. But the word also means to drop. You recall when Jesus called the fishermen, what did they do with their nets? They dropped their nets. It's the same verb, same word in the New Testament. And when Jesus raised Lazarus and he came hopping out all bound up in those burial cloths, almost like a mummy, you recall what the Lord said? Loose him and let him go. Let him go. Drop it. Drop that. It's amazing how the secular world preaches the gospel. Frozen. You know Frozen's coming back again. And you know the theme song? Let it go. Let it go. Drop it. Drop it. I've heard people say, well, let's just forgive and forget. There's a problem there. There's nowhere in Scripture we're commanded to forgive and forget. Our mind is a computer, and it's on the hard drive. We may not be able to bring it up. And God says, just delete it. Trash it. Trash it. Throw it away. Because forgiveness is not a feeling. It's a choice. Just like agape is not an emotional word, it, it's, a, it's a decision. I choose to love my enemies. I don't feel like it, but I choose to do the right thing. That's agape, and that's forgiveness. We here in America are too touchy about our religion. We want to feel good. There's nowhere in Scripture we're commanded to feel good, but we are commanded to forgive. And don't base your faith on your feelings. If you have COVID or you have the flu or you're having hip replacement and you're in pain, you don't feel like a Christian. It has nothing to do with your feelings. It has to do with your trust in Christ. Also, forgiveness is not a reaction. It's a proaction. I've heard people say, well, when he apologizes, I'll forgive him. It's not based on him or her. It's based on you. You don't wait for somebody to uh, apologize to forgive them. You take action. <clears throat> or I'm going to wait till this thing's resolved and who's proven right or wrong and then I'll forgive. No, 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 no. You let it go. <clears throat> it's amazing how the pagans sometimes have the truth. Cicero the Roman poet said, don't trip over anything behind you. Did you get that? Don't trip over anything behind you. In other words, if it's past, it's gone. 
there's nothing you can do about it, so don't keep bringing it up. E. Stanley Jones says there's two things you have to say in life to be successful. In a marriage, in a church, in your relationship with God. The first is, I don't know. The second is, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Ruth, Ruth Bell Graham, Billy Graham's wife said, marriage is two people who are good at forgiving. God has made us, we're not supposed to carry around guilt and shame and revenge and hate. We're made to forgive. <clears throat> when I was pastor in LaGrange, not the prison, the church, I got an email from a friend of mine who had become a pastor. When I was pastor at Wilmore, he, he worked for the college and he wrote me a, a forgiveness letter. He said, Dear Terry, now that I'm back in pastoral ministry and getting a lot of flack and criticism, I need to write you and apologize to you because when you were my pastor, I often criticized you and undercut you, and I want your forgiveness. I wrote him back and I said, Do you think I've been carrying you around all these years? How could I get up and preach the good news of Jesus Christ with you on my back? I said, brother, I dropped you years ago. I know what you did. Go in peace. We need to forgive. We need to drop it. People said, let's bury the hatchet. No, 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 no. If you bury the hatchet, you might dig it back up again. Drop the hatchet. Throw it away. Throw it in the river. <clears throat> we need to forgive, and we need to be forgiven. Man, I tell you, when I was a little boy growing up, I got in all kinds of trouble. Remember now, it's B.C. before Christ. And do kids still play marbles? How many of us played marbles? You go outside and just take a stick and draw a big circle, and then you start uh, shooting, and if you knocked them out, you kept them. Remember those big cat's eye marbles? I had a little friend named Jimmy, and uh, we were playing marbles, and for some reason, he wanted to trespass. He wanted to sin. He, he took up all my marbles and took off. Well, I had a pretty good arm back then. And uh, I picked up a rock. And man, I hit him squarely in the back. And he dropped all my marbles. <clears throat> well, you know how kids forgive. I went down next day to play with him. And his mom came out. And she was a real tall lady. She had one of those beehive haircuts. It looked like a Babylonian ziggurat. A, uh, a pyramid. And, and boy, she was madder than a hen. And she said, what are you doing hitting my son with a rock? And she literally shoved me off the porch. Well, this is B.C. So I picked up a stick and I threw it at her and hit her in the, the pyramid. <laughs> well, I ran home and started reading comic books to calm down my nerves. And then I thought, oh, she's after me. And I ran out the back door and up the alley, and it was the police. And uh, she called the cops on me, and the cops said, Are you Terry Ferris? I said, Yes, sir. He said, You've got to be in court Saturday morning at 10 o'clock. Well, when Mom came home from work, she spanked me. When Dad came home from work, he spanked me. 
My grandmother spanked me. It takes a village to raise a child. But when I became a Christian as a sophomore in high school, I went to see this lady. I knocked on her door and I said, ma'am, do you know who I am? She said, yes, you're the meanest kid in Maysville. I said, well, ma'am, I came here to apologize to you. I said, I became a Christian a few weeks ago and I need, I need to ask your, your forgiveness. So I said, Jesus has come into my heart and I'm a new person, but I need your forgiveness for what I did. I was a mean kid. And she started crying and I started crying and there was reconciliation and there, there was forgiveness. You see, we forgive people, not their sins. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass. We don't forgive people's sins. We forgive them. Only God can forgive sins. That great story in the gospel, when they dug up the, the roof and let down the paralytic, Jesus said, son, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees had a fit. Only God can forgive sins. That's true. Well, guess who it is? Take up your bed and walk, and you're forgiven. <clears throat> this is basic Christian theology. What is sin? Sin is I in the middle, S-I-N. Dr. Kenlaw said sin is being self, self on the throne. I recall the Campus Crusade always had this diagram of a heart, and there was a throne in that heart, and something has to be on the throne in your heart. It's either you or money or drugs or people or Jesus. And when you and I become a Christian, you know what we do? We abdicate the throne. We abdicate the throne. And Jesus becomes the, the resident and the president of our hearts. Lord, bend that proud and stiff-necked eye. Help me to bow my head and die, beholding Jesus who gave his life for me. A little word study. In the New Testament Greek, the word for sin is hamartia, harmartia. It's an archery word. The word martis means a witness, later became a martyr. If you gave a witness for Christ, a martis, you could become a martyr. So you put an A in front of it, negates it. So armartia means not an accurate witness. It's actually an archery word. Isn't that interesting? The word for sin in the New Testament is an archery word. It means to miss the target. How many of us have missed the target this week? You're forgiven through Jesus Christ. That's why Paul says in Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now here's the target. And we aim and we shoot, but we fall short. That's what sin is. Again, this is very basic. There's two kinds of sins. Sins of commission and sins of omission. 
we actually commit sins. God says, don't go there. We go there. God says, don't eat of that tree. And we say, we'll do what we want to do. I discovered a long time ago that people do what they want to do until they allow Christ in their heart and they become a new creature. There are people who think becoming a Christian is like having a dead battery. You're sitting by the side of the road. Jesus drives up. I won't tell you what kind of car he drives. And he jumps the battery. And we say, thank you, Lord. See you down the road. That's not what it means to become a Christian. We're dead in our sins and trespasses. And Jesus comes and we say, here, Lord, here's the keys. This is your car. We'll change the title in the morning. These are your keys, your car, and I'm your passenger. You take me where you want me to go. You tell me what you want me to do. That's what it means to become a Christian. We abdicate. We get off the throne and we allow Jesus Christ to be Lord. The Bible says that sin is the breaking of the law. That's sins of commission. John Wesley said, sin is a willful transgression against the known law of God. God says don't, and we do. That's sin. We miss the mark. The first time I went to the Wilmore Camp meeting, I was a brand new Christian, didn't know, didn't know much about the gospel, and this dear old man got up to testify, and he said, I have not sinned in 50 years. I thought, you old dude, you just did. You know what he meant? I haven't sinned. He, he had not been an adulterer, he didn't uh, smoke, drink, or chew. He didn't cheat on his income tax. He didn't snort cocaine. That's what he meant. Well, I wouldn't do that stuff if I, if I were an atheist. John says in his epistles, whoever is born of God does not continue to sin. Because God's seed remains in them and they cannot sin, keep on sinning because they're born of God. In other words, when you become a Christian, you cut out the foolishness. You cut out the disobedience. You're under new management. Jesus has dropped the charges and you drop the charges against others. So if you've been a Christian for many years, you should be living in daily obedience. And you're obeying the Ten Commandments. And you're freed. They asked St. Augustine, sum up the Christian faith in a few words. He said, love God and do as you please. That doesn't mean you've got a license. It means if you love God, you'll do what God wants. You'll love what God loves. But where most of us fail is the, the sins of omission. We fail to do. God says do it, and we don't. God says love your neighbors, love your enemies. 
We don't. God says, go to the hospital and visit the sick. We don't. God says, go to the prison and the captives and bring them good news. The most dramatic Good Friday I ever had was in LaGrange, literally in the prison. We had a prison ministry, and the prisoners had made me a solid cherry desk, solid cherry. You and I can't pick it up. And that was their gift to me on Good Friday of 2020. And these were felons. These were bad dudes. These were murderers and rapists. And there I was in prison with these fellows. Their carpenter teacher was in our church, and he did this as a gift of love. And there I was surrounded on Good Friday with all these felons. And I ask a question. How many of you guys know what Good Friday means? No one. These guys were agnostics. They didn't know the gospel at all. They had no idea what Good Friday was. So I said, well, let me tell you what Good Friday is. It's the day that Jesus died. And the worst thing that could happen to Jesus was the best thing that could happen to us. It's Good Friday. I began to weep, they began to weep, and we had a melting time in that prison. And Jesus walked in there. So here's the challenge this morning. If you're carrying any guilt or shame or bad feelings toward other people, please drop it this morning. Drop it. God dropped your sins, and you can drop other people who have hurt you in any way. Don't go into the new year with somebody on your back. Don't go into the new year with feelings of guilt or shame or remorse. Be free. Be free from your sins through Jesus Christ. We're going to, Christians are going to come now and sing a, a beautiful old gospel song, Jesus, I Come. And Lord, as this song is being sung, we open this altar for anyone who wishes to pray. Lord, drop our sins today as we drop this, uh, those who've hurt us in any way. Bless us, Lord, with good news this morning. And let the people respond in Jesus' name. Amen.